is up, you guys? Welcome to Naked and Exposed, the podcast season four. I am your host, Janae Carly, and get ready because it's only up from here. What is up, you guys? Welcome back. I know it's been a minute. I know, I know. We were supposed to come back with this season in 2021, and here we are in 2022, March 1st to be exact. But we're here, we're alive, we're we're getting it, we're going, and I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this episode because I have a special guest. I have a special, special guest. His name is Tyree Barnes, and he is one of the one of the huge factors of inspiration that has really encouraged my my journey when it comes to the spoken word space. Tyree, what is up? What's going on? How are you? I am blessed. I am blessed. It's been uh, it's been too long since we since we got up, so I'm so happy to be doing this. Honestly, listen, tell me about it. I'm excited too. I'm excited for the people to really listen to just God's redeeming power through our conversation. You know, we we both connected in college, and I'm going on. It'll be five years this year since I graduated college. Mm. Like wow. what? Please don't share that with me. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> but yo, we like we're low key getting old out here in these streets. But um Yeah. It's Yeah, we're the uh, we're the generation now that the the younger generation, Gen Z, talk about being old. Can you believe that? It's so weird because because of the year that I was born, I was born well, I guess I'm about to give y'all my age, but it's cool. Um, I was born in ninety five. So my generation is like the start of Gen Z and the end of millennials. So I'm kind of caught in this like wow. crosswire. Yes, you are. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm sitting there reading like some of the character traits for Gen Zs. And I'm like, wait a minute. That might be me. Because <laughs> <laughs> millennials, you, you have to because millennials are like, like the older millennials are pushing like 45. Ooh. Oh my God! Okay, so yeah, I'm more on the I'm on on the young end of millennial. Thank God. Look at the yeah, Lord. Yeah. Man, yeah. it's cracking me up. Like with the the way life is is flowing, and that's one of the cool things I think. Not I think, because oh, I'm trying not to say I think and those type of things. Like really being more intentional with my words, but it's really cool to just see. God in the midst of all of this, mm. even his intentionality of, of when we were born and how we were mm. born, the stories that shape who we are today and understanding that, yeah, everything we've gone through may not be what God may have intended, but we know because of Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the goodness Amen. of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And so it's all about getting to this place of repentance, recognizing and taking ownership for the decisions that we have made and allowing God to turn us in that direction in which he is calling us into. And I know that we both got started. Well, I you know I got started and that's how I met you in the collegiate space when it came to poetry. Um, and during that time of my life, I was sitting there writing poems that were not necessarily redemptive, but they were true, <laughs> you yeah, know, to yeah. my reality. And so I, I want to know just from you, like, how has the transition been for you using your gift 
kind of in a worldly sense and then pivoting over mm-hmm. to learning how to use it for the kingdom? Wow, that's such a huge question. Such a huge question. Um, I think I would say the biggest shift um, that has taken place is, I think in the in the beginning, um, it was more egoic based. You know, it was it was trying to find out, you know, speaking stories that can get the the heartstrings moving, the oohs and the ahs. But it was more like for personal fulfillment, so to speak. But in this space, in this season, in this journey of life, God has matured my heart now, where I'm thinking about my gift in terms of serving others. So it's not focused inwardly; it's focused outwardly. Um, and so I know that being blessed to have done spoken word, it really helped me understand the value of language, the value of what we're saying. Um, and so using these words, I want to make sure that I'm using language that actually uh, pours life into people. I want to make sure that, you know, everybody, every word that I'm saying is a seed, and I want to be certain that the seeds that I'm pouring into the heart of God's children um, are actually good seeds for their future for, you know, as we continue to grow together. So I realized one of my big joys is really like speaking life into people, positive words, um, encouragement, equipping them and empowering them. And so it feels really good when you know that you actually, you know, the identity is correct and the heart is right, where you can pour, you're, you're able to pour in a way that actually brings fulfillment into spaces, into environments, into cultures um, that actually makes it make a, that actually causes it to, you know, create a difference for that space, that person. That's so good. If you think about it from the context that life and death lies in the power of the tongue and yeah. All throughout scripture, we're, we're told about be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's this notion mm. that we are responsible for the words that we speak. And I, and I fall on the side that I don't believe that when the scripture says, like when it talks about um, the power, when it talks about life and death lies in the power of the tongue, it's based off of God's power. It's based off of what God has already assigned to these words. So he's saying these words bring life and these words bring death. Are you going to partner with my words that are life-giving? Are you going to partner with my words that are going to wreak havoc and bring chaos? Because unfortunately, you know, we live in this sin world. We live in in sin and iniquity and what a responsibility it is to know that the words that we speak can literally shift the trajectory of a person's life. Because if you think about it, a lot of us are products of words that were used in an abusive way. A lot of us Mm. have encountered words that told us that we weren't good enough or we wouldn't amount to this, or because a person was angry, they didn't know how to control what was, what they were saying. And now Mm. it's like, we're, we're on this journey of overcoming words that were spoken to actually stand in who God has called us to be. And and I'm mm. so grateful for you because you're able to see really the person. You're able to see the, the God in a person even when they can't see the God in themselves. You're able mm. to call out that which they are allowing themselves to, to suffocate from and say, hey, you know what? This is not who you are. And let me use the power in my words to, to edify you and to exhort you and to help you Mm. 
get back onto the track that God is calling you because we're vessels, you know, like we'll never have it all figured out. But as long as we're allowing God to have our ear and we're speaking as God speaks, like look like, whoa, like what a gift it is. Like words bring healing, like words are just, (sighs) gotta love words. When I really sit and and think about it, like you really gotta love words. (laughs) Very much so. Very much so. I agree with all that. Man, you gotta love words. And so I'm I'm even like just thinking back on, on my own story, and maybe you have something that you want to share when it pertains to like the moment you realize your words have power. But I remember the most defining moment for me, and y'all just I just thank God for grace because your girl wasn't always in this place of understanding what it takes to live righteous and holy, especially when it comes to speech. But Again, there's grace in that because God knows where you are and God doesn't want you to wallow in the shame of, oh, I'm still making these mistakes or I'm doing this. God wants you to allow him in the process so that he Mm. can transform you. But I remember sophomore year of college, I had wrote this poem uh, on the B word. I won't you know, say it on here because I really don't like the B word and that poem is really intense. And I remember writing the B word and I was a part of the Black Student Union at the time because they had noticed my gifting when it came to graphic design. And so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I would like to do spoken word. And, you know, they kind of just blew it off in a sense like, yeah, yeah, we'll give you a spot towards the end of the show, you know, nothing major. And I have went in for rehearsal, but one of the things for me when I do poetry, I don't like to do the performance 100% in practice because I still Mm. want there to be some form of mystery around what is being said. I don't want the people who are there and, you know, in the practice part to kind of know it or to kind of be able to gain right. what's going to take place. Because what happens in practice for me is not what happens when I'm actually performing. Cause like, it's like the Lord takes over. And at the time I didn't really know it was God. And I, you know, y'all can debate because of the context, but the gift <laughs> is without repentance. Like, because I am a person who God has given the, the gift of language. And if we look at it from a more spiritual sense, it just means that I have the I I am prophetic. It just means that I have the gift of a prophecy. And it just means that there is an even more responsibility with the words that I speak, because in order to see who you are today, you have to peel back the layers of your parents and their parents and the generations that I have been able to see that on both sides, there is an abuse with words that when people get angry, they spew out certain things. Like when people get frustrated, they spew out certain things. And you even look at the spiritual roots of like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And these are things that I have generationally been able to see. Like these are all products of what words have created. And so I remember standing on stage during practice, you know, people just, you know, this is like, oh my God, this is going to be a dud. Like, you know, people not really knowing what to expect. And again, I'm a sophomore, so people didn't really know who I was. And I remember, oh my gosh, I remember the, the following day at the actual show, like I came out on stage and I just went into it. And I, it was in that moment that I shocked myself because I oh. didn't even know that that was inside of me. I didn't even know that I was able to speak with such passion or perform yeah. with in such a way that made people who were leaving stop and watch. 
And wow. that was like the defining moment for me. Like what, what was your defining moment? What was that moment that you realized like, wow, my words actually have weight and this is a huge responsibility. Wow. That is a loaded question. And I mean, thank you for sharing that story. I don't think we've ever like officially talked about that moment that took place in your life. Um, because I tell you what, coming finding that place within, like it is not a head thing. It is it is coming from a deeper that it is it's not something that you can fabricate. It has to be raw, it has to be real, authentic. And it and it comes from the moment. And I believe God said it as well. He said, uh, he said, I'll tell you what to say when you get there. And not only is he telling us what to say, he's telling us how to say it. He's telling us how to move. And like you said, the gift doesn't come without repentance. So um, that is spot on. I really love, I really love that story. Um, I will carry that with me. Um, in terms of myself, when did I realize that my words had power? I tell you what, it happened. So I was already like, I was already like doing poetry with uh, our spoken word organization, Word of Mouth. Shout out to Wom. But I was already doing it. However, there was a show outside of East Carolina University. And honestly, it was with an older, an older, uh, an older population, so to speak. So probably like 40s and up, right? And I had wrote this poem. And yeah, it was pretty, it was a strong poem as well. Right. Um, but yeah, the context was about this, this woman who, really went through a lot of things, um, broken. I don't know why we always tend to go to topics like this, but in this case, that's what I did. Because pain but, is attractive for some reason. It's, I know. Like, it's so like, perverse in a, in a way, like how the enemy will try to use our pain to catapult it. But I remember hearing one day that your pain will either be your prison or your platform. And we will either allow ourselves to wallow in the pain and spread the pain, or we'll allow ourselves to arise from the pain and teach from the place of hope. I completely agree with that. I literally was thinking about this yesterday. I was like, man, when we go to when we go to like different uh the events or poetry slams and stuff like that, the majority is about somebody feeling some type of pain. I'm like, how can we use this? We have the gift of the language. Gift. We have the gift of making words come together and create images, powerful images to make people feel things internally that they carry with them. That is a responsibility. And so uh, just to get back to the what you originally asked, though, um, we were there. And so I had watched uh, Terrence perform. I had watched Darren perform. Uh, but then it was my turn to perform. And I literally got through the first, like, three lines, and the crowd was off. And they went off, and it blew my mind to, like, man, they actually felt that. And he was like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, start over, do that again, do that again. And it was just, like, I realized then, I was like, okay, this is, I, I remember the process of me creating this piece. Um, it wasn't like, I was, like, cre I was creating the piece in a way that was patient. I was waiting for God to to give me every single word to talk through, to, to, you know, every line and things of that nature. It wasn't just like, oh, okay, I'm going to just say this and this and this. It wasn't a talkative piece. It was more like a line. It was like a, 
punchline, punchline, punchline type piece. Um, but just to see the impact it had on that on that crowd, I think that really like exposed me to okay, there is a power here. There's a power here. Um, and I definitely have to make sure that I'm being responsible with this. I'm not saying things just to get a reaction, but if you're saying if you're being patient and just allowing the flow to happen, then those reactions will come by default because you're coming from a, a authentic place. So it's crazy how our spirit knows um, what's up before we even get to that place in our mind because. It's like we knew that there was power in what we were doing and what we were saying, but we didn't understand the magnitude of what that meant or what was required. Because so often, especially in the slam poetry scene, which I hate and hate is such a strong word, but I do because I had the first my first opportunity of doing a cup seat in the Austin, Texas area at UTA back in what, 2015, 2016. And mm-hmm. I, it was like the start of God really bringing me into himself. Like it was the start of God wow. saying, hey, you know what? You're either going to live your life for me or you're going to forge paths that I never intended for you to go down. But in order for you to make that decision, I'm going to have to make your environment so uncomfortable. And I remember mm. going to the Cupsy and it's like you have all these people who are broken and they're bleeding out and you stand Mm. on a stage in front of people who are broken and bleeding out and you bear your, your, because you're not even scars at this point. You bear your wounds to be Mm. judged based off of opinion. Mm. It's so perverse and it's so upsetting. And the the higher the score is really the higher the metaphors, like no, not even Mm. listening to, the story as a whole, but listening to how can I, like you said, these, these punchlines, it wasn't really a conversation. It was more so let me hit these points so that you can feel what I feel. And I have never been in such a creative fog since that moment. Like that was really, I couldn't write after that experience. Like I had no desire to write, no, no desire to use my voice. Like it was like, it was really this come to Jesus moment. It was like, yeah, this is cute. You've kind of gone through life. Yeah, you believe in me, but do you really believe me? Um, wow. I have a shirt that says this girl believes God. And one of my friends said, why does it not say this girl believes in God? Because it's one thing to believe in God, because that's a head. It's like, yeah, God is real. It's another thing Amen. to believe God because of a relationship with him. And when you look back on it, it's like, wow, like these moments were all setups for where we are today. And, you know, by no means are we perfect, but we're being transformed and daily we are to look more and more like Christ. And I thank you for sharing that story with me because I, you know, my, my first experience with poetry was WAM. So again, shout out to word mm-hmm. of mouth, but it was also not a great experience for me just because of how perverse the environment Mm -hmm. had gotten and I guess I'm more performative poetry now I guess it could kind of be let me stop saying I guess look at me y'all y'all gonna hear me call myself out it's definitely would be more it's uh, almost said I guess more monologue it can it can come Mm -hmm. off as a monologue but I maybe I'm making this new category of just performative poetry like performative monologues in in a sense there you go (laughs) 
Um, and even the poem we did for the showcase uh, back in July of 2021, we allowed ourselves to rewrite an old poem. I remember the day we wrote the first poem, which was called Black Pain, and yeah. we performed it. And that, I, I it was wild. Like, just, not just the reactions, but the fact that we were able to create something and convey what we conveyed in a way that mm. was showing a, a heart versus a, a brain dynamic from the context of what we as Black Americans have to have to or have experienced for mm. years. And when I say I'm so passionate and you guys listening, this would be the last season that's like this because I'm ready to shift into merging culture and faith. I'm ready to shift into sh showing how we debunk these stereotypes in the Black diaspora by Amen. showing up in a vulnerable space so that we can go into pre-existing cultures, bringing diversity and inclusivity because of the authenticity of who we are. And it's it's wild because we have 400 plus years now of bondage associated to our bloodline. But the fact that we're Black in America, the fact that we're Black and educated, the fact that we're Black and still alive and we have the mm. access and opportunity that we have means somebody in our bloodline broke a curse. Doesn't necessarily mean, you know, other, other doors weren't open or other stumblings and fallings didn't take place, but the fact that we're here alive and breathing and we have breath and life and, and clothes and food, somebody broke a curse. And Man. it's time for us to get to this place where we show that the only reason we're here and the only reason we're alive is because of God. And anytime we try to take God out of it, we're going to have perversion we're going to have failure we're going to have things that aren't necessarily god's heart towards mm. us and it's just cool because we, we we wrote this poem called black pain and and we had this opportunity five years later to really five years later to rewrite this poem it doesn't even have a name but it's more so the hit the brain versus the heart in a context of walking with god do i live yeah. my life for and with God, or do I allow my emotions and my logic to dictate how I operate? Amen. Amen. I'll be honest, like to this day, when I reread that poem, I'm still getting new revelations. Words that were written from us through us uh, during that time, God revealed his, his greater wisdom through like some of those lines i'm like oh man i didn't even didn't even conceive or consider that point of view like i i god took me through a journey to write like this is why i got you to write this or reading your lines this is why i got her to say this and it's like it blows my mind because it really pretty much brings us back around to that fact that we are vessels we are instruments we are instruments for God's music to flow through, to blow through. Yes. And it's a gift. It's an honor to be used. It is not about us. It is about being used by God, by the Holy Spirit. And you, man, it brings fruit when that when that's the case. So, yeah, I, I that is one of my favorite poems of all time. Honestly, I'm so honored that we got to 
um, be used in such a way by God to share with that. I look forward to the day we can record the poem in person. Yeah. Because we did it in Zoom. But I mean, shout out to technology. Like, shout out to the fact that God is helping us to create things that keep us connected, even in the midst of so much tur- turmoil Amen. and sorrow. And so we were able to record that poem via Zoom. And if you guys have made it this far in the podcast, this episode actually started with that poem. So you guys were able to hear the recording that we did. And you're so right. Like, what an honor. I find myself in this season of just ask, like, just asking two questions. Like, one, like, who am I that you are mm. mindful of me, God? Like, who am I mm. that you would allow me to get to this place in you where I'm able to see things from your perspective and not from my flesh or my pain or how mm. other people are, tell me I'm supposed to see it, see it or, or perceive it. But then also like, who am I really? Like, mm. who have you really called me to be? Because I, I sometimes cannot see what other people see. And I get it. Like when you're, when you're in the midst of what you're walking through, it's sometimes hard to see the bigger picture. But I thank God for prophecy. I thank God for wise counsel. I thank God for mm. friends who are able mm. to call us out of self-imposed pits. Because sometimes these spaces of of depression or sorrow and sadness is not because of anything else aside from us and us wrestling with the knowing that there is more for us than what we are allowing ourselves to settle for. And I will say, because before we started recording, Ty, you asked, like, how was I? And if I'm honest, this season is kicking my butt. But it's not even Mm. kicking my butt from a depressive heaviness phase because even though the days are hard, I still have joy. Even though I'm struggling, I'm still able to Mm. see God in the future because he's already there. So there's no anxiety and there's no worry because I believe God is who he says he is. And I believe God is faithful to see it into completion. And I believe God would not bring me this far to leave me, but my mm-hmm. flesh, my spirit knows. And Galatians 5 talks about allowing our spirit man to become stronger than our flesh. I'm at this place where my flesh is strong, my, my spirit, excuse me, it's stronger than my flesh, but my flesh is still bucking. Mm. Like my, mm. my, my flesh is still wrestling. My flesh is still saying, hey, you know, focus on me. But it's like, no, the Lord says to take your thoughts captive in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. He says to think about Amen. what you think about. Because we, when you get to the place of believing God is who he says he is, you believe that the characteristics of who God says he is are true. So that means when we start to think things that aren't in alignment with who God is, because one, we're created in his image and his likeness. So his word says his thoughts of us are good. So that means when these thoughts come into my mind that are opposite of good, I do not have to believe them. But that takes work, you know, like that takes work, just like it takes work for us to say, I am not going to speak these words that are full of pain yeah it may be a part of my story yeah I may only know pain in the way that I've done things up into this point but how do I communicate the pain from the place of redemption how do I communicate Mm. the pain from a place of overcoming because the blind can't lead the blind we're all just gonna fall into ditches Mm. and it gets to a point where we have to be willing to sit down for a season 
and to allow ourselves to heal and to allow ourselves to go through the process. So when the time is right, when we speak, it is with such a power that we know has nothing to do with us Amen. and everything Amen. to do with God. Amen. Amen. You know, Janae, I tell you what, I am learning that we are a composite of the stories that we hold on to and the stories we let go of. Rather, the experience, our experience of life is a composite of the stories we hold on to and the stories we let go of. And for me, I realized I went through the dark ages of my own personal life. I was holding on to stories that were truly like shackles on me. And I thought that holding on to certain stories and me feeling the guilt or me feeling the remorse and me feeling the anxiety, I thought, okay, I'm really living life because I'm feeling these feelings I have in other words, I was identifying myself with certain stories, and I thought that that was me. But when God revealed to me that you can let go of stories and you can grab new stories, and what I realized is the Word, the Bible, those are the stories that I want to hold on to. And so what I'm learning in this space now is, like, I'm on this journey just going through the Bible every day, every day, every day. But I'm picking up the stories, picking up the wisdom of the word, of the Bible. And um, what is happening simultaneously, those old stories that I used to identify myself with, uh, somebody who cheated, somebody who could never see herself getting married, somebody who uh, was shy, believe it or not. I didn't, I identified with that story for a season. Yep, for a season. I made myself shy. It's just surreal. I held on to the story of me being shy. A narrative. Um, just all these stories that I thought were me, and they have just dropped and dropped, and God is just revealing more and more about who He is through the stories of of the Bible, and I'm able to now. I'm, I'm the the beautiful thing about life is we don't have to be the salt. We don't have to be the magic. We just got to be connected to the source that is the salt. We just got to be connected to our Father, our Heavenly Father, and then abundance flows through. Abundance of wisdom, abundance of love, abundance of knowledge, abundance of peace, financial abundance. All these pieces God has placed in the Word. He has placed all of it there. And so um, that's something I'm learning. I know you, as you were just hearing that, I was just thinking about that um, in terms of what, what shifted for me in my life. Wow. Wow. Whew. That it's such a loaded reflection because you're realizing that you're carrying there's a poem that I did uh season two, if I'm not mistaken, maybe season one. At this point, they're all merging together. But it was basically talking about it's definitely season one. It was definitely picking up the pieces as I go, collecting the stories that were never meant for me to keep. Oh, God. Oh, oh. sir. And I felt that in a real way. It, because it's like you, we empathize. So especially when you're highly prophetic, which you are, if you did not know, um, the world will call this person an empath, which is totally not mm. biblical. 
and totally not kingdom. It just means that you're highly prophetic and you have a strong gift of discernment of spirits. Hebrews 5, 14 talks about how Hebrews 5 talks about towards the end of Hebrews 5, it talks about us coming off of milk and starting to chew on meat, which means that God is calling us into a place of maturity where, yeah, we can talk about scripture and talk about the basics of kingdom principle, but it comes to a point in your life where you're going to have to take God for who he is and apply what he's teaching you and walk that thing out. But at the end of Hebrews 5, it says that our gift of discernment of spirits is practice by distinguishing good and evil. And if you look at Galatians 5, it talks about the things of the flesh. So it it shows you how a person's there's spirits that can be at play or it can just be the sin nature of a person, which yes, is influenced by sin. And so if you look Mm. at Hebrews five and you look at Galatians five, you see that in order to grow in this gifting, in order to get balance, you have to be able to practice what is you, what is God and what is the enemy. And Mm. it's really a humbling moment because you, you start to learn like, okay, this is because of this part of me that was unhealed. And now I have a choice. Do I allow this narrative to continue to make up who I am? Or do I partner with the fact that God says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made? Do I allow myself to stand in the shame, guilt, and and doubt of this moment? Because newsflash, offense is a choice, just like embarrassment is a choice. Like we choose to be offended. We choose to be embarrassed. Like God says in Deuteronomy, I set before you this day, life and death, blessings and curses, you decide. So every day we are making decisions to partner with the lie or to partner with the truth. Like, you know, these are all biblical things, but because the world is, because we're, a lot of us are in, in, immaturity a lot of us are living in this place of not allowing the word to 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 correct us because we know that biblically speaking correction is a form of love because we see mm-hmm. we have perverted the the lens of of correction and we call it critical or judgmental like the bible is very clear that if you profess jesus christ that we as believers are supposed to judge one another not to shame but to transformation, but to repentance. Like judgment is to help us to become better. But we look at judgment through the lens of offense because somebody told us that we were an empath. And in reality, Mm. we're just prophetic. We're just highly discerning. So we're able to go into environments and listen to people's stories. And we empathize with them because a lot of us are also mercy showers. And nobody told us like, hey, that you were fine two minutes ago. You walked into this environment. Now you're cranky you're irritable. That's not your emotion. So throw that emotion off or pray that emotion off. Intercede for the person that you're picking up on, even if you don't know who it is. And as you cultivate wow. this gift, God will start to show you the people. God will start to give you insight. God will start to grow this gift because it's in you. It's, it's who God has called you to be. But because we're looking and allowing the world to give us language, we end up going down paths of of witchcraft and uncult practices, not realizing that this is just a perverse way of the kingdom. Like God's kingdom is always going to bring life. It's always going to be bring joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. Like one of the ways to know if it's God is to discern your peace when you make Mm. the decision. 
And it doesn't mean making a decision with God isn't going to come with its struggles because we have to wrestle with our flesh. But let me say this as to you guys who are listening, all God wants is you to make a decision from the place of relationship with him. If you're making a decision from the posture of your heart that says, God, I'm doing this to please you. And even if I do, even though I don't know if this is what you want for me, your word says in Proverbs 5, 3, your word says in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 to trust in you to lean not into my own understanding, but to acknowledge you in all my ways and you will set my path straight. So I'm making this decision from the place of relationship with you. And even if this decision is rooted in immaturity, that you will walk Mm -hmm. me through this process to get to full maturity, that even if something I wouldn't surrender now, you knew I had to go through this process in order to surrender in the right time. Um, Mm. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, that is so loaded, what you just hear. So loaded. And honestly, when you talk about when you talk about uh pretty much our generation, a lot of us we try to find other avenues. It's just a cool thing to find secular ways to I guess you'll say try to connect or whatever. Some people do it through witchcraft, some people do it through to chakra stones, all this, and me personally, I'm not the witchcraft thing, but I definitely understand because I've been through the journey of going the secular route to find that connection, try to find fulfillment. Right. Um. And so, yeah, I man, my freshman year, my freshman year, I got on my knees because I had been so. I mean, this was literally. This was the most down time, most confusing time of my life. I could not explain what I was sensing or feeling, but I know it came because uh, years prior to that, I actually, like, once the Pandora's box opened up for me, I just started, you know, going to empty places, empty vessels, so to speak, and I just got empty. I got empty and it was the first time I felt so much confusion in my body and I felt uh, I felt honestly the first time in my life a disconnect. All my life like I see my mom pray. That was, that's the biggest gift I, my mom has ever given me. The biggest thing my, I ever see my mom do is pray every night. Five, ten minutes on her knees and that is where my relationship started with with God and me understanding that I have a relationship with with my father. And I was a kid at that point. And so when I got older, 16, 17 years old, now the first time in my life, I don't feel that relationship. It scared the mess out of me. And so what I did, freshman year, very first day of college, I got on my knees and I was hurt. And I said, God, if you exist, prove to me you exist and I won't have any questions. Got to the point that I had to, God, do you really exist? And from that moment, it's like, I can't explain it. It's like my brain broke. But it was the first time I felt, I, like, all the confusion in my head, but the peace I felt inside let me understand, helped me understand I wasn't the confusion in my head. I felt God literally just carrying me through that space. But then I still had to, I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. Got a job. Started to go to church uh, some and all that for a few months. Then after that, I kind of, I kind of strayed away. What they say, a living, a living sacrifice has a habit of swallowing its way off the altar. 
Wow. So that's kind of what I did for sure. And I started uh, searching for that peace, to be honest. I started searching for that peace in other ways. And I started studying things like Buddhism. I started studying. I went to India. I, you know what I mean? I studied. I saw the Dalai Lama. I saw a lot of things. And honestly, what I tell you what, God always used it for his good. Always 100%. 100%. God is the master, the master writer. And I was there. And what led me back for understanding that time, that piece that you found, you found it. You know exactly where you found it. Stop going everywhere else. But I was there and I had talked to a Tibetan monk and I asked him, what did he believe? What did the Tibetan monk believe was the most powerful force in the universe? And he said that they believe that unconditional love was the most powerful force in the universe. That moment led me to really learn to, I was like, okay, well, love, unconditional love, love without attachment, okay. That led me back to the word. And that's where agape, me going by the, the artist named agape, and it led me back to, to Christ. That was my journey back to, dang, this word has everything I've been looking for in it and i'm trying to find these new cool secular millennial gen z ways of doing what already originally brings the peace the masterpiece bringer and so that right there was a shift for me and i started returning back to the word a lot more well i would say gradually gradually shifting back to the word but i think the biggest shift was being a part of a community of people a community of people, I think we need that, a community of people who are strong believers in the word um, and help me start to see more about the word. This is honestly more recent years, like the past three years. It was me going from believing in God, like you say, to believing God, um, because that's when I started to truly like, okay, your word says this, I'm going to apply this. And piece by piece, just starting to apply it. Now, what started taking place is my identity started to really shift for understanding that I'm I'm a kid of the king. I'm a kid of the king. I am my Lord. Man, the Lord is my savior. And understanding these pieces, not from a mental standpoint, but knowing it in my heart and returning to that connection with God. Um, so I, I tell you, man, for people who are listening and who may be trying different avenues, who may be trying different outlets, I am, look, I go all in in whatever I do. I tell you, I go all in and I'm pragmatic. So God is the way. Jesus is the way. And this is my personal account, personal experience, personal testimony. Not from somebody who just stayed in the church his whole life. I'm talking from a person who went the other route and returned back to this route. Who's seen a lot of different religions, who studied a lot of different religions and returned back here and found the most peace, the most abundance, the most life here. So um, I think that makes a world of difference. Just wanted to share that. Sir, on that note, what? We might as well end the show. And I say that um, because as you were talking, I heard piece by piece. So I, I saw it P-I-E, 
Mm. Oh my God, can I not spell on this day? P I E C E, but I also yep. saw P A C E. Mm. So piece by piece and piece by piece, and you can even interchange the piece by piece. Um, and it's just, it's so wild because I, I think we honestly have had done a bad job in the church setting with condemnation when it pertains to people who you know may have fallen away or are struggling in their faith and we have forgot the fact that this walk requires discipleship this walk requires people walking alongside of us this walk requires us day by day piece by piece getting to where it is that we're supposed to be it's all about the transformation if we all had it together why would we still need to be here why would we Amen. need a, a perfect God? And I can relate so much with your story when it pertains to looking for peace and things outside of Christ. And I had my moments and it's something about freshman year. Like it's something about freshman year where it either makes or breaks you. And mm. that year for me was so, so crushing because it's like, I know there's a God. But this reality, this anxiety, this depression, Mm. this trying to detach from myself, this trying to fill a void that I don't even know what I'm trying to feel is so strong that I don't know what to do. And it went on until junior year. So by junior year, when I was hospitalized for that panic attack was when I, I looked in the mirror and said, God, if you're real like I know you are, you have a year to prove it. And it Mm. sounds crazy, y'all. It sounds crazy to say, oh, you got to prove, like, but it just shows you how desperate we had gotten, how to the end of ourselves we had gotten, that we said, God, you are the only thing that will keep me here. You are the only thing that will stop Mm. me from destructing. And I know, I just thank God and I thank God for you and I thank God for your story because it's stories like these that help people understand like, y'all, it's not about Bible beating you over the head. It's not about, oh, you should believe God because I believe in God. And it's because we have allowed ourselves to to stray from God. And Mm -hmm. even in our straying, God still didn't let us get too far. Amen. Amen. Prodigal children, for sure. We are the prodigal sons and daughters. Right. I, really, I, I like relate so much with the elder brother. Uh, and mm. I think there's something there to explore because, you know, the prodigal son, like the prodigal son wasn't necessarily wrong. Like mm. he wasn't wrong. Like he was inquisitive. He wanted to know the more. He wanted to see what was outside of the house. And I think sometimes we condemn people for it instead of supporting them through it. Because if we believe that God is who he says he is, then we have to trust and believe that God is faithful to get them back to where he needed them to be. That's why when we see people like Joseph Solomon and these other leaders in the faith or people who are so prominent in their voices saying that they no longer believe in Christianity or, you know, they're, they're wrestling with this concept of being a Christian, give Mm. them the grace and the space and intercede on their behalf because maybe they met religion and never actually had relationship. Maybe there's something in their bloodline that's 
that's blocking them from being able to fall fully head first into Christ. But it takes this moment of straying to get them to the point that they need to be. And Mm. we always, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, this prodigal son is taught in a condemning way of, oh, this is what happens when you stray. Like you. Yeah. But sometimes you got to get in the dirt. (laughs) You got to get dirty with the pig sometimes. To understand that there is more inside of you than what you are settling for. And even with the, the elder brother, I empathize with him so much because, no, like, no, I never <laughs> left Christ. Like, no, I never right. denounced Christianity or said God wasn't real. There wasn't a moment where I didn't pray. Was I disappointed? Absolutely. But my story looks more like the elder brother, the one who stays and commits mm. and does the work, but allows the resentment and the jealousy to to take a bit of root. Mm. Yeah. So, and it, and the brother, elder brother, is the one we don't really hear about, but there's so much power in it. Like, ah, the Lord is kind, and I'm so grateful for this episode because it's just making me like look at things a little bit differently, and I just thank God for God. I thank God that we have a right mind. <laughs> so before we close, Ty, is there anything you want to leave with the people as they go on and, and reflect? Because one of the huge things that I encourage on this platform is that people get a journal and they sit with themselves and they sit with God mm-hmm. and they write the things out. And so I, I, I the question that I would encourage you guys to ask yourselves and to journal is, do you believe in God or do you believe God? Mm. Mm. Yes. I think I would I think I would also add to that. God is 24/7 present. 24/7 present. You can talk to God anytime, any space. You can see God anywhere cuz we are in the heart of God. We are in the heart of God. And so understanding, like, you see that sun, like, what I found is when you're talking about getting, building those relationships, those relationships ties with Christ, um, I realize gratitude is a num- is such a grand connector. Just finding things around you just to be grateful for. Finding things in your journey, in your story um, to be grateful for. Um, because you're you're more than the pain that you went through. You're also the joy that you've given someone. You're also uh, the worth of encouragement. You're also um, that smile that you gave to a stranger. Be finding those moments of gratitude um, just builds connection and builds relationships. So I encourage that as well in your journey. Come on, guys. Come on, Ty. That's awesome. Well, guys, I thank you for rocking with us on the first episode of season four, Only Up From Here, Naked and Exposed, the podcast. And if you got something from this, I encourage you to share it with other people that you feel can be inspired and encouraged to continue to go forward, to continue to keep going and to not give up here because God is faithful to complete what he started. And we love you guys and we appreciate you guys and we'll talk to you soon. Holla.